It's the Adam Ritz Show, a social awareness talk show touching on fellowship, leadership, philanthropy, and more. Adam hosts the show on location from coast to coast, interviewing college students, student athletes, campus administrators, professional athletes, and social experts about social issues ranging from bullying to Twitter and everything in between. And now, it's your social awareness radio host, Adam Ritz. I'm Adam Ritz. Today, the Adam Ritz Show is on campus in state. Statesboro, Georgia. We're on the campus of Georgia Southern University, and we are broadcasting in front of this live studio audience. That's a great round of applause. Thank you, gentlemen, so much for the warm welcome. Our guest today is Richard. Hi, Richard. How are you? Pretty good. How are you doing? I'm fantastic. Let's give you full credit. What's your last name? Specter. Richard Spector, and uh, you're here with your fraternity, the uh, AE Pies, is that correct? That is. And we're here to talk about community service, getting involved with your community, whether it's on campus or nationally, uh, to make this planet a better place. What do you guys do at AE Pie here at Georgia Southern? Oh, well, this year's our first year. We're going to do uh, AE Pie Dog Days. We're selling hot dogs on campus, April 20th and 21st, so in case you guys might be hungry on those days, I don't know why. But... Um, all the proceeds go to the Gift of Life Foundation, which is for bone marrow transplant donors. We'll actually be out there taking cheek swabs, sending them back, and if we get any potential donors, we'll let you know, and hopefully we'll raise some money in the process. That's a great idea. That's a fantastic idea. Um, and you've got uh, a national organization paired with you, or the, the, yep. the bone marrow people? Yes, through our nationals. That's fantastic. And what kind of... Uh, hot dog um, accoutrements are we talking about? You know, your standard Hebrew national for the Jewish fraternity. Uh, we'll be out there with some ketchup, mustard, that kind of stuff. It's going to be pretty basic. Yeah. <laughs> but it's for a good cause, you know. We've been selling some sponsorships out to local businesses. We already reached our uh, goal for the year, so hopefully we'll just keep going up from there. Okay, so everybody on campus know where their chapter is? AE Pi, help out. Do you have a date for this? Is yeah. it next semester? No, it's uh, this month, the 20th and 21st. Okay, so stop by the house, get a hot we'll dog. Oh, oh, you'll be on campus? Yeah, at the then Rotunda. You have, you have no excuse not to stop by and get a dog from this guy, right? Yeah. Richard Spector, thank you so much for sharing your uh, hot dog story with us. Thank you. Let's have a round of applause for everybody here at Georgia Southern University. And thank you so much for hosting the Adam Ridge Show. Fellowship, leadership, and philanthropy. Conversations and interviews from all over America. It's the Adam Ritz Show. And the Adam Ritz Show rolls on in Statesboro, Georgia, just a beautiful part of the country. Uh, the sun is shining. We're outside. You might hear some birds in the background, definitely an airplane above me. Maybe a motorcycle will go by any second. I don't know. Uh, but our guest is IFC president of the um, Georgia Southern University Interfraternity Council. This is Adam Clay. Hi, Adam. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you doing, Adam? I'm fantastic. It's the Adam and Adam Show. Adam <laughs> Squared. Good morning. It's sunny and 72. Adam and Adam. Hi, Adam. Man, I love that. That's, let's let's how, go ahead and start one. That's what you do. That's the Mike and Mike. That's how they started, right? Mike and Mike. Now it's Adam and Adam. Um, I enjoy talking to IFC presidents for our audience listening nationally. That's the... Um, you know, the Interfraternity Council, that's the organization that governs all the fraternities on a, on a college campus. How many fraternities are here at Georgia Southern? Currently, we have 17 active IFC chapters. Okay, and your chapter is? Sigma Nu. Sigma Nu. I know them. I love them. I've worked with your headquarters yes, before um, with risk management and speaking to some of your uh, presidents from across the country about risk management. I want to talk to you about risk management and what 
not what you think it is, but how you describe it to uh, your friends and family and how you talk about it amongst yourselves with your IFC executive council, I guess. Uh, risk management to me, when I'm brought in as a, I guess, as a social media or broadcast media consultant to talk about risk management with uh, college kids, it's, you know, obviously you can just break it down. It's managing the risk. So <laughs> you're, you're going to be you're going to be dumb. You're yum and dumb, right? I mean, you're going to go out and have fun. Maybe that in- includes a cocktail or two on a weekend. Uh, but how do you manage the risk so that you don't end up uh, as one of these headlines I see come across my news desk? Recently, we had a couple people over spring break die. Somebody fell off a parking garage in Panama City Beach. Somebody uh, died of alcohol poisoning uh, Gulf Shores in Alabama over spring break. So they weren't managing the risk very well. Mm-hmm. They ended up with the worst consequence of all, uh, death. So how do you handle the topic of risk management within your own fraternity council? Right. So that's a great question. So for me, the way I explain risk management is just making sure we can provide a safe environment for all of our guests. That's all of the brothers. We have approximately a thousand IFC men. Uh, We want to keep them safe, but we also want to keep the guests, the families, the girls, anyone that enters uh, fraternity property. We want to make sure that they're having the best experience possible. Um, So, you know, one of the things we do as a university is require um, wristbands as well as uh, guest lists for all social events. That way we can kind of make sure that, um, you know, look, you're on the guest list. You're known there. You're not going to cause problems. Um, the people there are going to be able to help take care of you. We also require that you have uh, so safe, sober monitors. So you have to have at least two chapter officers as well as one additional officer per 50 guests. And then most importantly, we have security there. So we, we, we do a lot of great things here at Georgia Southern within IFC and within the Greek life to make sure that we're providing a safe environment for all of our guests. That is great to hear. And, you know, as you're explaining that to me, uh, I was thinking about what I would what I would be listening to if I were in my car right now, and I uh, if I was 46 and didn't have any kids or any connection to college kids today, uh, mem- remembering what my college days were like back in the late 80s, early 90s. Um, now I know what you guys do with all those rules you have, and you have to register your parties and have wristbands, and um, I don't know what kind of restrictions you have on alcohol, but maybe there's no no beer or no uh, kegs or maybe no hard alcohol. Correct. Um, and the sober monitors, the security, uh, sober drivers, even you have to have provide drives home uh, rides home for your guests. Um, I know all that because I work with you guys and I know what you guys do, but. There's a 46-year-old guy in his car right now going, oh, my gosh, I can't believe they do all that. Because when he was in college, it was a—I mean, it was the Stone Age compared to what it is like now. I mean, for example, we used to have kegs of beer delivered to our house from a local liquor store. Wow. And when I say house, the fraternity house. We would call the liquor store. We'd say, we need 10 kegs. They would put 10 kegs in a van, and they would drive the van to our chapter house and drop the kegs off on our back door. We wouldn't even have to pay for it then because we had an account with the liquor store. And, you know, and our, our social director was 21 or older, and he would sign the checks, and they'd get paid, and we'd have 10 kegs in our fraternity. I mean, you would get closed down if you even attempted to get 
half of a pony keg delivered to your house right now. <laughs> uh, yes, sir. That's definitely correct. So uh, we don't allow any kind of kegs at all to be on fraternity property. Um, the fraternity is actually not even allowed to provide alcohol. So it's it's all BYOB. So that's bring your own beer. Um, we, we really try to stress the importance of red solo cups as well. Um, so you're not drinking out of a beer can, but you're, you're pouring it into a cup. You're making sure you're staying safe. Um, we regulate IDs. So you have to have a 21-year-old ID to get in, of course. Um, so we, we definitely take those precautions, and I've definitely heard a lot of stories from my 50- and 60-year-old alumni, even 40-year-old. Um, college was a lot different. Fraternities were a lot different back then. So we definitely live in a world where there's a lot more regulations, but it, it, it creates a, a safer and more enjoyable environment. Well, I can tell you this. It, it's all those alumni you mentioned, my generation included in our 40s, it, it's our behavior in those fraternities in the 80s and 90s that made all the rules that you have to live with today because of all the all the people that got hurt all the crimes the accusations the convictions i mean it didn't take long for people that can make the decisions to say hey let's start putting some restrictions on how a house full of 100 guys Mm -hmm. can have 10 kegs delivered to their back door for no reason at all so (laughs) we're speaking with adam clay he's the ifc president at georgia southern university in statesboro georgia um what are uh some of the i guess parties that you've had uh i'm not putting you on the spot to try to get you busted or anything but you mentioned you have to have an id you have to be 21 so if you're if you're 20 years old and 11 months if you're one month away from being 21 you they'll check your id at a fraternity party and you cannot drink a beer yes sir that is correct so that you know like i mentioned earlier we have to provide security um, and so we have those security guards check there's only one entrance one exit so everybody will be checked upon entrance and yes if you're 20 years 11 months and 29 days you're still not allowed to drink a sip of alcohol on fraternity property that is, uh, you know, as a 46-year-old man now with, with a daughter who's going to be in college in a few years, I love to hear that. I love these rules. Maybe glad, glad to hear. I might have thought differently uh, as, a, as a 20-year-old in 1990 at Purdue University, but now as, a, as an old man uh, in my looking forward to my 50s and 60s down the road, uh, I'm glad to hear all these rules exist to keep everyone safe. I mean, yeah. that's the key here, keep everyone safe. Yes, sir, and there's a lot of misconceptions, and, you know, people in the public that didn't have a Greek experience often times think we're the troublemakers, we're the party animals, but in in all reality, we're actually providing some of the safest uh, events on campus. We're regulating it more intensely than other areas. Um, So, you know, XYZ organization could could go out tonight in a house and with 40 people and, and have 10, 11 kegs. But we don't do that. You know, we, we strictly regulate our chapters so they can't have that. And, and they understand the reasoning behind it. So like I said, we're providing a safe and secure environment and more secure than a lot of other organizations outside of Greek life can provide. Well, Adam, uh, Clay, I want to find out a little bit more about you before we let you go. Um, it takes a special kind of guy to um, run for, I guess, a, a leadership role like this, president of your fraternity council. Uh, are you a senior? Yes, sir. And uh, what are you studying and what do you want to do? So marketing and logistics, my passion has always been consumer sales. Um, so I have an internship this summer with Reckett Benkiser in Bentonville, Arkansas. I'll be working with Walmart headquarters. And so that's my goal is to return back up in Bentonville and uh, call on the Walmart account. That is fantastic to hear. What a plan. Good luck to you. Well, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Uh, and then let's keep in touch because in 10 years when you're um, 
CFO of uh, Walmart, <laughs> I will be calling on you for some media uh, consultancy. Well, yes, sir. <laughs> I, you know, we'll, we'll definitely keep in touch, and maybe uh, Peyton Manning can join us as well. Absolutely. All right, well, we'll wrap things up here from Statesboro. Uh, if you don't have a chance to uh, get to this part of the country, uh, you need to get here. What's your uh, single favorite part of this campus? And then I'll let you go. Statesboro, Georgia, Georgia Southern University. From Adam Clay, what's your favorite part of this school? Large-scale, small field. We're over 20,000 students, but you still have the ability to make a difference. Just one person. That's all it takes. One person can make a difference here at Georgia Southern, and I'm very thankful for my college experience. Get to know Adam at Adam. AdamRitz.com. Get to know the radio show at AdamRitzShow.com. Thanks again for listening to this show. We have a lot of fun traveling the country and hooking up with uh, new coaches, old friends. And next week, I'll be in Charlotte, North Carolina with uh, one of the coaches that we met doing the show at Eastern Kentucky University, former head coach of EKU is Dean Hood. He is now an assistant coach at UNC Charlotte, the 49ers. We'll be catching up with him and their head coach here in the next few weeks. Look forward to those interviews coming up. And uh, in honor of uh, Dean Hood and all his hard work in Richmond, Kentucky at Eastern Kentucky University, we want to feature uh, an interview we had with Coach Hood about leadership and academics from his coaching closet. And the show rolls on with a special guest, the head coach of Eastern Kentucky football. This is Coach Dean Hood. Hi, Dean. How are you? Good. How are you doing, Adam? I am uh, fantastic, and I want to thank you for your hospitality. I, I got to hang out with your players today here in Richmond, Kentucky, and here's some of the initiatives going on. We talked with a player about working uh, with an orphanage in uh, Haiti, and I also uh, had my interest um, tweaked and piqued by you as you talked about the authentic man. Did I say that right? Is that yeah. one of your initiatives? Well, yeah. I mean, that, that's our number one initiative. I mean, our goal here is to win championships. There's no question about that. But our purpose as a coaching staff is to use football as a platform to help these guys reach authentic manhood. And uh, not to uh, let too many cats out of the bag, but you did mention, and I totally agree with you, that there's a lot of problems in our country um, that are, I guess, born from the fact that there are a lot of men out there that aren't being gentlemen, they're not being great dads, they're not being um, great citizens in their community. So if we can get that message across to young men across the country, uh, that'll make everybody's life better. Yeah, no question. I mean, you you fix the man, you fix the world. And so, uh, you know, that's one of our, uh, I mean, that is our number one purpose is to help these guys, you know, someday be a good husband, a good dad, a good neighbor, a leader in this community. That's, you know, really important to us. And that's our number one, you know, purpose as football coaches. And you've been coaching here how many years now? 2008 was our first season. Okay, so that's you've got several seasons under your belt. And when you talk about uh, turning young boys into gentlemen, um, let me just put you on the spot, top of your head. Uh, give us a success story of a guy who came through your program. Uh, maybe he's 30 years old now, somewhere on the other side of the country. But uh, he exemplifies the authentic man. You know that that is the the reward. You know, it's it's not that the guy went on to play in the NFL. Though we're proud of those kids. It's not you know our record. It's not the scoreboard. It's when we get that that letter in the mail. You know that phone call. Uh, that hey coach you know the uh, Song of Solomon retreat that we went on you know and I wrote that letter talking about 
how from this point on I'm going to stay sexually pure until my wedding night and then handing that to my, you know, bride. And, Coach, that meant so much to her. And, you know, that that's, you know, that's a powerful thing when you get things like that back or somebody talking about how they're using our core values. You know, we had we had uh, one of our young men talk about how he's using one of his core values at, at the business where he's at, and, and he has all his employees, you know, memorize the core values like we did here at Eastern or do our mental training program, you know, which is part of our character development here and talk about. I'm, I'm doing that at, at work, you know, or doing that with their family. You know, there's a lot of kids that have, uh, you know, now gone on and they've got children of their own and, and talk about how they're doing some of the things we did in the program with them, that they're doing it with their own children. Now, I've heard you mention uh, to your players about their character um, that you're not necessarily worried about it because that's how you recruit them. You're looking for obviously good football players, but even more so maybe you're looking for guys with, with even better character. Um, how do you know which 17-year-old kid has that character? Do you look in their eyes? Are you psychic? I mean, is this a, a sixth sense? No, you, you don't know for sure. I mean, just like with a, you, you evaluate a young man as a football player and you think he's going to come and start for you or play as a sophomore or whatever, I mean, you're, you're, you investigate it, you know, you evaluate it, you do the best job you can, but you're still rolling the dice. And, and we miss, but we ask all the right questions. You know, our, our recruiting philosophy is CAF, character, academics, and football. And so we got a list of questions that we ask for each one of those categories. And we ask, you know, we ask the coach, we ask the principal, we ask the, the, the gal in the cafeteria, and, you know, we ask those character questions about that kid. And if there's any red flags, we go on to the next person. So we recruit character academics in football, and when they get here, we, we develop those. I think a lot of people drop the ball. You know, they, they recruit a good football player and a kid that maybe can handle college work, and then they get here, and he, he's got a program for lifting weights to get stronger. He's got, you know, drill work he does to be a better football player. He's got his, you know, Bratsky Center where he goes down and gets his study hall hours in. He's got tutors. He's got that. But in the area of character, you know, teams, programs are doing nothing. Well, you know, you, you showed us all the, all the clips, and you watch ESPN ticker. Guys aren't getting eliminated because they can't run fast or, uh, you know, they don't have technical skills or knowledge. They're getting eliminated because of character choices. So, you know, we're going to work on that every single day and have a, a plan and a program in place for it, just like we do with, you know, strength training or football or academics. Well, we like to, uh, on this show, you know, sports imitates real life. Uh, something you just said about talking to the lunch lady. I mean, you're recruiting a, a kid to play college football. You talk to the lunch lady. That jumped out at me. Uh, for the rest of us, uh, normal people that aren't playing college football, you've got to really be on your toes and be a gentleman, be nice, be, uh, be Christ-like. Uh, when you are talking to anybody, from your boss to the lunch lady, because you never know who's going to go behind the scenes to find out about your character and talk to the lunch lady who's like, you know what, that guy is uh, so nice and, and well-loved by everybody, but he treats me like dirt. So you've got to be, you've got to have great character in every facet of your life, even when people aren't watching, because you never know who's going to follow up and find out that you're really a jerk to the lunch lady. Yeah. That could be a title of a book, Don't Be a Jerk to the Lunch Lady, <laughs> by Coach Dean Hood, Eastern <laughs> Kentucky Football. Absolutely. <laughs> uh, I'll, I'll ghostwrite it with you, and we'll, right. we'll put that sucker well, out there on Amazon, see who yeah, buys it. Yeah, well, you put your name on that I might sell a few books. <laughs> <laughs> Coach Dean Hood at Eastern Kentucky is our uh, guest, uh, the Eastern Kentucky Colonels. Uh, what conference? 
or an Ohio Valley Conference. Ohio Valley Conference. Uh, I love the stadium, big giant side, concrete. There's like a actual uh, rooms inside the. They use them as classrooms, right inside the stadium. Yeah, absolutely. We, we've got all kinds of rooms over there that you know ROTC uses, and several okay. other you know areas of the campus use that for for classroom settings. And if you've been here since '08, you know there's a level of success and. Um, I guess job security, you know, so I don't know what, do you know what the average uh, tenure is for a head college football coach? I know. I, I, I don't know, but those two words don't go together. They don't job, go together job security and college football no, coach. <laughs> no, I mean, if you look at the NFL players, it's three and a half years to play in the NFL, to be a head football coach in college. I don't know what it is, but you've yeah. had to exceed the average. Um, talk about some of the success you've had here at uh, Eastern Kentucky. We talked about the character. Now let's brag about a few guys that you've gotten to the NFL. Well, I mean, we've had a really storied uh, tradition here with guys in the NFL. Uh, you know, Roy Kidd, you know, I'm really standing on Roy Kidd's shoulders. You know, Roy Kidd's one of the winningest football coaches in the history of college football with over 300 wins. Uh, and, uh, you know, Eastern Kentucky, we have more conference championships than any school in our conference. I think we're at 20 or 21, and I think the next closest school might be 9 or 10. Um, you know, Coach Kidd won two national championships in the national championship game, you know, twice. Uh, you know, we've had guys that have been, uh, you know, first-round draft picks. We've had guys that have played. Uh, we've got a, got a, you know, a guy that played in the Col for the Colts there, Chad Bratsky, who our, who our academic center is named after. Chad Bratsky was a, you know, fifth-round pick by the Giants and then traded to the Indianapolis Colts. Yeah. I think I think he finished second, you know, one year in sacks to a silly little guy named Reggie White. You know, so, you know, we've got guys who got Super Bowl rings. You know, Myron Guyton, Danny Copeland. Uh, we got guys like John Jackson was the highest paid offensive lineman in in football. You know, one year when he went from the Steelers to the to the Chargers. You know, so I mean, we've got a ton of guys in the NFL. Got current guys. You know, got uh, Derek Hardman. You know, right now is is in a camp. Pat Ford's in camp. You know, mm -hmm. an offensive two offensive linemen that we're real proud of. Uh, you know, and, and recent success uh, has not been as as good as our our overall success but still since 2008 we've got more conference wins than any school in our league and uh, and two championships to show for it so and our kids have done pretty well and and we got a real good group this year so we're looking forward to it that's fantastic to uh, hear from coach Dean Hood at Eastern Kentucky and I've got a guess I'm just going to take a guess since your uh, football knowledge puts you in the head coaching position you've had to have played and just judge our radio listeners can't see you, but uh, you're not exactly an offensive lineman size guy. <laughs> I'm going to guess you played defensive back uh, in the early 80s uh, in college. Yeah, pre pretty close. I was 80, uh, let's see, 86 was my last year playing. So I guess 82 in high school, 83 to 86, I played college. And I was, yeah, I was too, I was too, uh, too uh, small to play linebacker and I was, I was too slow to play you know, corner or half field safety. So they, I was a rolled down cover three strong safety at a division three school. Okay, and, great. And what college was that? Ohio Wesleyan. Ohio Wesleyan. All right. Yeah. And then, uh, so just curious now, um, after you get out of college, how'd your coaching career take you to Eastern Kentucky? Oh, just an amazing, you know, journey. Just bless the people that I've been around. Just unreal, really. I, I, uh, you know, I've worked for uh, Rich Rodriguez. You know, before Rich Rodriguez was Rich Rodriguez at Glenville State College. Yeah, you know, West was, Virginia. Yeah, he was the youngest head coach in America when he was at Salem, you know, college at, at 23 years old. I worked for him at Glenville and 
um, you know, a couple stops before that, obviously, but get get too long-winded. Uh, but then, you know, went from there to here as an assistant for, for Roy Kidd and, uh, you know, legendary uh, even before he quit. I mean, there's not too many guys that have their facility named after him and they're still coaching. You know, that's mm-hmm. been Roy Kidd Stadium for a lot of years, and, and he was still coaching and what was named after him. The FCS Coach of the Year. I mean, in, in all of 1AA, all of FCS football, if you're the coach of the year, you, you get the Roy Kidd Award. You know, so I'll let you know, you know, his legend. Okay. And so I was an assistant coach for, for Coach Kidd, and then uh, I got on with Jim Grobe at Ohio University and, uh, and then followed Coach Grobe to Wake Forest. So you want to talk about three, uh, in my mind, greats in the business and learn different things from each one of them and all wonderful men. Uh, you know, I've been blessed and was with Coach Grove until 2008 and came, came back here as the head coach. He's an authentic man, Dean Hood, head coach, Eastern Kentucky football. Can't thank you enough for your time, and I want to wish you the best of luck here at Eastern Kentucky. Yep, thanks, Adam. Send your questions, comments, or concerns to The Adam Ritz Show by emailing adam at adamritz.com. We are pleased to welcome uh, to the show now our guest, Brandon Goad. Hi, Brandon. Hello. I want to welcome you to the show, and I want to thank you for having me on campus here at Missouri Science and Technology. Where are we? Rolla? Rolla, Missouri? Rolla, Missouri, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. Rolla. Yes. (laughs) And uh, for our national listeners, where the heck is Rolla, Missouri? Uh, It's about south-central Missouri. It's an hour and a half away from St. Louis, and somewhere I'm probably two to three hours away from KC, Kansas City. Kansas City. Okay. So we're back on campus at Missouri Science and Technology. Uh, to learn a little bit more about the uh, charity that uh, this campus does with uh, the St. Jude Children Hospital, um, go ahead and tell us about this. Uh, well, basically, we started doing it last year. Uh, it's called Up Till Dawn, and the focus is uh, provide funding for the research and awareness for cures of pediatric illnesses and cancer. And so, as a campus, I mean, how how'd you guys think of it? Were you sitting around one day and you weren't you, you weren't studying and you weren't <laughs> deciding on how to play uh, beer pong and you said, hey, let's let's help some other people? Yeah, well, basically, yeah, we used to have this event called Greek Sing, and it was a battle of the band style competition for the Greek community for IFC, and we threw it every year, and it was solely IFC's responsibility, and uh, IFC took a different direction. We want to turn it into more of a positive event, and it was my my title, my job to make sure that that happened. And that was my direction for it. So with some help of some other people uh, in the Interfraternity Council, uh, we came up with the idea to turn it into a philanthropy event. Uh, and we sought out the charity uh, Up Till Dawn through St. Jude's. And it's, it's a great charity. They came up to meet us up actually within two weeks of deciding we wanted to do this. And they s- spoke to us about what the event entailed and everything. And basically the outline for Up Till Dawn is just, uh, you know, staying up all night to raise awareness for the cancer. And... Uh, you know, at this, whenever we found out the outline for this, well, we thought, oh, this is perfect, perfect time for us to stick the bands in the middle, get people inter- uh, entertained and excited, and give them some things to do. Uh, so that's that's the premises behind it. Uh, but before, for the two, three months before it, the entire time, uh, you, you find sponsors for the event to stay up all night, and it's a fundraising competition for all the Greek community, and we ex- we extended it this past year also to the uh, the entire campus. So the entire campus got involved, and each. Each fraternity was a team, and you could form your own teams on campus between, depending on the uh, organizations you were in, and you would uh, raise as much funds as possible in a competition-style uh, format. And basically, at the end of the year, uh, we have Up to Dawn, the, the, the final event, the finale, and we have our Greek sing Up to Dawn with Battle of the Bands, and uh, we pull it all together and say, this is how much money we raised, and we congratulate the winners and, 
it's you know all out battle basically and when you say greek communities that's the uh fraternities and sororities on campus yes, when yes. you say ifc that's the fraternity council what is your fraternity and what was your i guess uh um event or or band or did you guys sing or what was your skit or what'd you do for the up all night event uh i'm i'm a member of the sigma phi epsilon fraternity and uh i'm involved in the interfraternity council i'm a member for my house and my position was the special projects chair and that's generally what the special projects chair does every year was run greek sing uh but our our fraternity pulled together a band and we played two songs uh trying to remember what the song's names were call me maybe <laughs> no, that wasn't it. <laughs> Sorry, unfortunately, I, I couldn't resist. No, we, we we didn't play that one. Uh, I don't recall the name of the song, but we played two songs. Every house played two songs. You mean like a real band, like uh, like a four piece, like you know, yeah. drum set, guitar, bass, singer. Yeah. You got yeah, found style. four guys in the house to actually d- do a song. Yeah, exactly. They put it together for about a month planning it out, and then uh, in between the bands, after every two or three bands, we also had speakers come, uh, diversity speakers. So we had three speakers as well. Uh, one had her own TV show. She was a former, in- or she was an engineer out of Washington University in St. Louis, and her show was called Smash Lab. And she gave uh, a speech on trying to figure out what she wanted to do and how to find herself uh, as an engineer. Basically, uh, we had another speaker uh, who was an infiltrator of the Ku Klux Klan, who was an African American who uh, basically sought out uh, Klansmen and uh, converted them into completely changing their beliefs and wow. did changing them completely and. Uh, wow. So that was a pretty big speaker around here. Uh, it was it stirred up a whole lot, and everybody very very good uh, participation from the crowd. Everybody loved him. He was also a really really good pianist, part of a band. He was uh, friends with Chuck Berry. No so, kidding. Yeah, he was pretty awesome guy. So name interesting. Was, yeah, definitely. Daryl Davis was his name, and uh, we had a third speaker who was Jack Lingel from the We Are Marshall uh, football team. Yeah. He was the football coach from We Are Marshall. Come and speak on uh, you know persevering and trying to get through things whenever everything's against you basically so uh all in all you know the event ran all night without any problems and we we had a very very good night and we raised some really good money that sounds fantastic uh brandon goad is our guest he's a uh, member of uh the sigma phi epsilon fraternity at missouri science and technology he was in charge of the up all night event which benefited the saint jude children's hospital cancer research um how can we find out more about this event online there's got to be a facebook page or something yeah uh you can go to myupsildawn.org or you can go to the saint jude website and just click on the up till dawn link and it'll take you and tell you everything about what the uh, the charity is about myuptilldawn.org correct yes All right, there you have it, Brandon. Thank you so much for joining us. Yeah, thank you very much for having me. I appreciated it. The Adam Ritz Show is recorded live, both in studio and across the country. For information on this broadcast, including how to hear this show on a station in your city, visit adamritzshow.com.